Hello and welcome back. We play the Action for Canada orientation every week during the pre-show in an effort to give you a glimpse as to what's available on our website. But to be sure, there is a plethora of content and information that we can't fit into the orientation. So be sure to log into our website often to check things out. The orientation, as well as recordings of each week's Empower Hour, are available on our website for you to rewatch or to share with your family and friends. Now, if you can think of anyone right now who would be interested in joining tonight's show, be sure to invite them. The link will be posted in the chat. We have so many opportunities for you to learn and grow here at Action for Canada, and it's our goal to provide you with resources to empower you to stand strong in truth and freedom. Go to our website to watch previous episodes of the Empower Hour. Last week's guest was Tom Quiggan, so if you missed that show, be sure to check it out. Tonight, Ted Kuntz will be joining us, and next week's guest is Tom Harris, so mark July 13th on your calendar. In addition to the weekly Empower Hour, we invite you to join a local chapter. We have chapters all across Canada, and by joining, you will be able to connect with other like-minded people, as well as to volunteer your skills and talents. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, you can join us for a time of prayer on Zoom as we come before God in praise, worship, and petition. We're taking a break from the Tuesday Taboo Talks with Tanya for the summer. However, I encourage you to go to our website to watch previous meetings. Some of the topics Tanya has covered, dealing with vax adverse reactions, the LGBTQ political agenda, investigation into criminal allegations concerning the COVID-19 pandemic response, and much, much more. We'll be resuming the Taboo Talks on September 13th. We also have a place for our young people. Go to the Youth Freedom Movement page. There you can watch the speeches that several of the A4C youth have posted. And speaking of our youth, coming up on Friday, July 29th, is the first Games and Talent Night. This will be open to youth from the ages of 12 to 19 who participated in the Youth Leadership Course. And we'll be sending you an email invitation to this Games and Talent Night. Just a reminder, if you have any specific prayer requests, please let us know so we can pray for you. The information you share will be kept confidential. A big thank you to all of you who volunteer in any capacity, to those who are committed to praying for us and to those of you who contribute financially to Action for Canada. We're so grateful that you're partnering with us. Your prayers, time, talent, and your donations help us to provide solutions, free resources, and hope to Canadians from shore to shore. And of course, this episode of the Empower Hour would not be possible without the incredible Empower Hour crew and, of course, Tanya Gaw, the founder and leader of Action for Canada. And now it's time for the Empower Hour. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the July 6th, 2022 Empower Hour. We're so happy you can join us. 
Can you believe it? We're already a week into the second half of 2022. How time flies. Coming right up is Action for Canada's founder, Tanya Gaw, with her weekly updates. And tonight, she'll be joined by Ted Kuntz, the founder of Vaccine Choice Canada. So be sure to stay tuned for that. Action for Canada is a grassroots movement reaching out to millions of Canadians and uniting our voices in opposition to the destructive policies tearing at the fabric of our nation. Through call to action campaigns, we equip citizens to take action. We are committed to protecting faith, family, and freedom. It's always an honor and a pleasure to introduce you to the founder and leader of Action for Canada, Tanya Gaw. For those of you who are new to the show, Tanya is a passionate truth seeker and freedom fighter, and for the past seven years, she has been diligently fighting our big bully governments and exposing malfeasance and corruption at every level. As well, she has faithfully provided resources at rallies and on the Action for Canada website so we can be educated and empowered to stand up for our rights and freedoms. Before she comes on today, I have a special request that you would please keep Tanya and Action for Canada in your prayers each day. This is a spiritual battle we're in, and the enemy of our souls is not happy about the work we're doing. And now, will you please help me welcome the lovely Tanya Gaw. Hello, Tanya. Hi, Heather. Thank you. Welcome, everybody, again. Heather, I always have to give you accolades as well. I mean, your orientation is uh, so in-depth as well as everything else. You don't miss a detail, my friend, and we're so blessed to have you on the team. Action for Canada is truly about recruiting people to use their gifts and talents. Everybody on the show tonight, you have something to contribute to the movement, uh, you know, to protect Canada's democracy and our freedoms and to protect our children. So Heather, thank you so much. Um, I'm going to get right busy now because I just, I'm so uh, looking forward to having Ted on. This is a huge topic. And I've said this is vaccine choices time to shine. Their concerns, uh, Ted has been working at this a lot longer than seven years than myself. And, you know, he's very invested in bringing awareness to the harms of vaccinations. And we're not just talking about the COVID-19 jab. We're talking about uh, childhood uh, injections. And I can't wait to get a little bit more in that, into that uh, subject so that we can bring even more awareness. Um, I do want to give an update. Uh, you know that we are in court at the end of May to address the motion to strike. We have not yet heard from Judge Ross, but I have been in touch with Rocco. There's nothing that we can do to rush this process. And so as soon as we hear a decision from Judge Ross, I will be sending out a special message. So I just want to give you that update uh, boy, it's a slow wheel within the uh, courts and it causes those of us who are in leadership and who have um, commenced these actions uh, sometimes a little bit of stress. It's hard to just relax and wait. Uh, there's nothing to relax about and just know that we're as anxious as you are to see this uh, get moving and to have a decision. So, okay, Terenzio, I'll share my screen. I'll get through some of my business here and we'll bring Ted on. 
All right. As always, you know how I love to bring up the map. This is such a critical part. This gives me hope looking at this map. We can't see down in Ontario there, uh, you know, it's kind of stacked on each other, the amount of chapters we have. But um, we have put a bit of a pause on this, as I've mentioned in the past, in, in recruiting and getting people in place. And um, because we had to uh, in, increase our, our um, how shall I say, our support for the chapters. And so we're ready to go again. We're commencing vetting. And uh, we hope to be in, like I said, every single riding across the country. All right, I have a little problem with the top of my screen here. All right, so I'm gonna get right into the action. For those of you who are new, you just click on weekly actions under call to action, weekly actions, and you come up with this page. And my hope is that um, if you've missed a week that you would come on to the weekly actions and share the link, share it on your social media. We need to get this information out far and wide. We have a super spreaders group and as you know, the mainstream media isn't talking about a ton of these issues. They're certainly not outing BC Commissioner, uh, RCMP Commissioner McDonald and his sidekick, Superintendent Blackadar. They're not bringing awareness. They are, you know, there is news about Commissioner Lucky, but not that kind of in-depth detail that Canadians need to hear about. So we're counting on you to be part of the team. If this is even the only thing you could do is go on and share Action for Canada's um, action letters, that would be amazing. This may be the only opportunity some Canadians get to hear this news and, and be informed. So um, please make that part of your business. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go straight into this week's, this week's action. And it was a uh, huge when when I opened up this page and, you know, I knew that there's big money in in big pharma. But when I saw two hundred and seventy six billion dollars going towards Johnson and Johnson, one hundred and sixty four billion to Merck. I mean, we're talking billions of dollars. And and so, as I've mentioned here, I says, you know, this is the dollar figure motivating them to discard the value of human life. And that's exactly what we're experiencing. There is no value to them on human life, just the almighty dollar and control and this uh, plan to decrease the world's population. People need to go to jail. Um, I personally, I haven't been shy about it, but I think that some people, um, as in, in uh, the good old days, need to face the death penalty. This has caused a great deal of suffering and harm, and we haven't even begun, sadly. All right. Um, this page is meant to be informative. I don't want you to be overwhelmed by Action for Canada's weekly actions. I put many hours of research in, taking copious amounts of information, and then trying to stick it on one page that you could literally read within about 10 minutes. But if there was something where you wanted to dive in further, you could spend hours on this page, listening to the information, the videos, and reading some of the reports that we're providing. And so when, when I um, take on and um, decide that we're going to write on a certain subject, I really don't take this lightly because I know that I've only got 10 minutes of uh, the majority of Canadians' time to have an impact and uh, do, the, do my best at educating in a short period. And so, um, of course, uh, we always want to honor our guests with a separate page. And so we always ask, please, you click on that and you go directly to the Empower Hour page so that you can share this invitation separately. 
And then we like to provide information on our guest and then um, also links so that you can go directly to the, their website and learn more about them. I think that's very important. Okay, because we are organizations that are, are working together. So at the uh, World Health Organization, these scientists were all getting together in 2019, December 2019, and they were in agreement that there was considerable concern about the long-term safety, safety effects of um, vaccines. Remember, that wasn't the COVID vaccine. That's, this is all pre-COVID. So what possible vaccinations could be, they be talking about other than the majority being childhood vaccinations? and uh, the chemicals and uh, adjuvants that they were using in, in order to uh, make them what they consider an effective injection. I, I love listening to Dr. Paul Thomas. Uh, he as well uh, started out, uh, he was in pediatrics and he, like many of us, were, were trusting the so-called experts in advising us on uh, vaccinations for our children. And I remember my kids are 26 and 28 years old. And I remember my sister uh, who doesn't have children, but she was more of a researcher on this back then. And she was saying, you know, don't don't vaccinate them. And I was so torn because I was somebody that was I had an amazing doctor. I thought, why would my doctor lead me astray? And as a result, I, I, I was in some turmoil over it, but I chose to end up vaccinating my children. And my daughter got diagnosed with ADHD. And, you know, so I wonder, uh, we have high rates of ADHD, as we'll see in a chart below. And that's probably as a direct result. Um, so when I think about the parents right now who are being given this opportunity to get their children vaccinated with the COVID jab, I remember some of the turmoil that I was in. I didn't have access to uh, really good information to give me an indication as to why I shouldn't do that. But times have changed. That's 20 years ago. We've got lots of information available to us to say this is not a good idea. And, and so Vaccine Choice has made this wonderful chart. You can see back in the uh, 1950s, there was five vaccines, 14 doses. And then they list what that was against, uh, diphtheria, tetanus, polio, smallpox. 1983, uh, 23 doses, seven vaccines. 2019, 58 to 70 doses, uh, 16 or 17 vaccines. And can you imagine what it would look like in 2022? I, I would have to be pretty confident that this would be near, if not over 100 doses. They are putting toxic chemicals into our children in order to line their pockets. Uh, they don't care about the rate of autism and ADHD and uh, it, you know uh, allergic reactions, et cetera, that kids are suffering as a result of this. And so, you know, studies are coming out, they're beginning to, um, we're beginning to see more information. You see this little white guy down here, that's unvaccinated. They're not, these children are not dealing with all of this. And um, this is compelling information as far as I'm concerned. Great short video, please take the time to watch it. ADHD, boy, can you imagine, do you know how I feel about this? knowing that I participated in my child having been diagnosed with ADHD. Now, we've done a lot of uh, work, especially she herself has taken this on personally, 
you know, to she, they, for a while they had um, wanted medications, but I didn't want her on the medications. I felt that there would have to be some other reason why she was struggling with this. And uh, she personally has uh, made it an objective of hers to uh, clean this out of her system. And she's succeeding in that. So there is hope. But um, I think that we really need to be honest with ourselves about this debate, whether to vaccinate um, or remain with our children with God's blessing of a, an immune system. Uh, something that I'd seen that I didn't see the chart this time around was back in the, the uh, early 1900s when there was this heightened rate of whether it was polio or other diseases, what they didn't show you is that when um, indoor plumbing and uh, diet in, increased and became better, already all of these diseases were almost uh, negligent, like almost at zero. And that's here where they introduced all these vaccinations. So it proved that they were unnecessary. We can get through these diseases and with the proper vitamins and um, uh, you know information as far as natural health is concerned. Okay, uh, I kind of skipped back to uh, the COVID injection and I was very impressed with this interview and how simply this doctor had explained the lipid nanoparticles and how they don't just stay in the arm, but how they go through the body and 300% increase in cancer, 84% increase in deaths ages 25 to 44. Uh, these are not just made up numbers. These are real numbers. And, and as I said at the beginning, this is only the beginning. And uh, the new study endorsed by the World Health Organization has found that the risks of the mRNA COVID-19 vaccination heavily outweigh the benefits with scientists discovering a person is on average 339% more likely to suffer a serious adverse event and such as cardiac arrest, stroke, etc. cetera. Um, I saw a, a fake news media today, uh, YouTube, somebody had taken new articles that are coming out from the media and it's saying uh, gardening, you know, um, actually you, you can have uh, heart attacks uh, if you're gardening. So, so wear a mask so that you, you know, don't have a cardi uh, cardiac arrest. And there was all kinds of other made up events. Uh, summer heat waves contribute to women, women having high rates of miscarriages. No, that's not why they're having high, that high rates of miscarriages are coming. That's directly related to this experimental injection. My apologies if I call it a vaccine, that's kind of the world standard right now. It is an experimental injection. Uh, we came across this video. I was not aware of this. The swine flu in 1976, the history I say is repeating itself where they had a, a flu-like injection, but they didn't bother with that. They ended up giving people as well uh, an experimental injection with pretty much a 0% rate of death worldwide. They created all of this fear and people were lining up by the millions to get the uh, injection. And as we're seeing today, people in serious, serious shape um, and even, you know, many deaths uh, create a problem. Uh, what I wanted to bring awareness to today is that the government is now no longer, it's from cradle to grave, but they're really focusing on adults now. If adults didn't have certain injections when they were children, well, you better get out there and take your injection. And by the way, on that list, which I'll show you in a second, hepatitis um, A and B are listed. 
Well, is it a coincidence that public health notice recently came out of an outbreak of hepatitis A infections linked to imported fresh organic strawberries? Isn't that remarkable, organic strawberries? Because of course they don't want you to buy organic as well. So as far as I'm concerned, this is a double hit and I don't trust a word they're saying. So look at that, hepatitis A happens to be a shot that they want adults taking along with shingles. Shingles, uh, monkeypox is uh, basically, I'm understanding shingles. So there's a lot of things to be suspicious here. Just say no, <laughs> let's just say no. And then to close off uh, this session, I love it. We keep uh, giving a platform to our youth who attended our eight-week training and uh, to give them the ability to speak truth and to be able to debate and uh, whether with their teachers or with their peers. And Luba, boy, talk about Precious. You have to take the time to watch this video and again, share it. Share it with elected officials. Share it far and wide. There should be 10,000 views on these videos. We should be honoring our youth and getting their voice out there. So Luba in the video, she says, I'm only 11 years old and adults are ignorant of the truth. I'm asking you do something, spread the truth, stand up for the right cause. And so just bless this, uh, this gal, and uh, we're going to do that by, by honoring her and sharing her video. But she, honestly, I think is smarter than the majority of most adults in this country. These are such important, important topics. I was going to play something, but I think we'll just stick it in the chat for now. There is going to be, uh, Ted can talk about that more as well, uh, a premiere of Uninformed Consent, and it is going to be on July 23rd. Third, you can register for it, and it's an in-depth look into the COVID-19 nar narrative, who's controlling it, and how it's been being used to inject an untested new technology into almost every person on the planet. The film explores our recent loss of human rights while weaving in the devastating impact of mandates and the deeply powerful story of one man's loss. And so doctors and scientists are not afraid to come out and speak out publicly, and we're so grateful for that. But uh, make sure that you look at the, watch the trailer and sign up for that. So um, Heather, would you please come back on and let's get Ted into this time of sharing. <laughs> And thank you, Tanya, for your updates. The information that you share with us is vital in our quest for truth and freedom. And it's always such a privilege to have our next guest, Ted Kuntz, on the Empower Hour. Ted is a retired psychotherapist with more than 25 years experience as a clinician and consultant. He holds a master's degree in counseling and is currently the president of Vaccine Choice Canada. He joins us tonight to talk about the growing awareness that childhood and adult vaccinations are causing greater harm than good. Over the years, Ted has learned that the medical industry has been systematically and intentionally dishonest with health consumers on the safety, efficacy, and necessity of vaccinations. He believes that the organized and intentional effort to deny citizens their right to make medical decisions for themselves and their children is one of the greatest threats to humanity today. And he knows that if we lose the capacity for choice over what is injected into our bodies, then we are no longer free citizens. Ted is an outspoken advocate for protecting our medical choices and demanding honesty, transparency, and accountability from the medical system. Please help me welcome Ted Koontz. 
Ted, thank you for joining us today and welcome to the Empower Hour. Well, nice to see you both. Thanks for inviting me to, to be with you. And wow, what good work you guys are doing. I'm, I'm so impressed. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you, Ted. Thank you, Sheila, for the uh, introduction there. And Ted, I'm not like I say, my apologies. That took a little longer to go over than I was anticipating. Uh, but the subject is absolutely so critical and so vital. So I'm just going to immediately hand the floor over to you. Whatever you want to share about your own story, I, I'm so interested always in what got you into this and uh, your passion to um, make sure people uh, know of informed consent. Well, thank you. Uh, you know, my journey is much like yours, Tanya, is that I, I, um, I, I have to admit that I didn't do my homework as a parent. I simply assumed that I was, uh, the medical system was telling the truth, that they were acting in my best interest. And so I uh, blindly uh, vaccinated my child at five months of age. And uh, we too had experienced vaccine injury. Josh developed an uncontrolled seizure disorder immediately following his first shot, which was the DPT shot. And uh, <clears throat> unfortunately, he lived with an uncontrolled seizure disorder his entire life. Uh, the amount of seizing that he experienced was uh, significant. Uh, just to give you some idea of how uh, egregious was the harm that was caused to him, uh, during uh, the period when he was about four years of age, he was seizing 12 to 15 times a day. And each seizure was 15 to 20 minutes long. So it was a grueling time. Um, but it, it, what it did is it uh, emboldened me to uh, do the, what I should have done before and, and then take the responsibility of communicating what, I, what I've learned with others. And and, uh, you know, I, I'm guided by the words of Einstein who said, those of us who have, who have been privileged to know have a responsibility to act. And so you and I are both in that category. We, we have earned our way here the hard way. Uh, and unfortunately, that's most often those that come to Vaccine Choice Canada are parents of vaccine injured children. And our, our efforts, our work is to try to engage parents before they make that vaccine decision and, and so that they avoid the kind of heartache and suffering that uh, you and I both have experienced and, mm -hmm. and, and thousands, tens of thousands of others. Um, you know, the, the, the reality is these vaccines are not safe, they're not effective, and they're not necessary. And as you described in my introduction is that I believe there's a systemic uh, deception of Canadians uh, um, that has gone on for a century. And uh, I, it, it, it's, um, it's hard not to look at that industry now and see it as a very evil industry. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think that there are many in it that are well-intended, but uh, they've been captured um, by greed. And, uh, and the, the predatory nature of this industry is, is quite alarming and, and, and it's really exposing itself in the last two years. Um, <clears throat> you know, the, the battles that we're witnessing now are not new. They've been around for a hundred years. Uh, Vaccine Choice Canada has been advocating for the right of parents to make medical decisions for their children, for the right to inform consent, the right to bodily sovereignty uh, since 1982. And so, you know, this is our 40th anniversary and, and uh, you know, what Rocco says to us is the best thing that happened to Vaccine Choice Canada was COVID because 
now people are having the conversations that they ought to have had. And uh, in, in some ways, uh, we are doing more work in the last two years than we did in the first 38 years. Um, you know, Tanya, I know that you're uh, someone and your organization is someone who will recognize that what's happening is it's, it's more than greed. It's more than fraud. To me, it's really predatory. Mm-hmm. Um, they are at war with humanity. Um, the, the, uh, the violations that we're witnessing and experiencing is, is, um, is pretty dark. Uh, and I, I think that we're being challenged as Canadians. We, 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 we've had this naivety about our government and our, about our public health and about our mainstream media, uh, thinking that they're, uh, well-intended, that they're guided from high principles, that they only care about the well-being of Canadians. And uh, I, I think that uh, that reputation is now in tatters. And uh, the, one of the hardest parts of, uh, uh, of, of facing what we have to face is how, how deep and how dark is the, the, the darkness, the, the evil that permeates this country. So let me just stop there, Tanya. I, 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 I could go on and on, but I, I'd rather that you and I okay. engage in this. <clears throat> yeah, it's, I agree, uh, Ted, when you're talking about the fact that this isn't, you know, about money or greed. And, you know, as I research day after day, and as we have fought this battle in the last two years, you know, standing, wailing, flailing our arms, trying to warn people that this is not about a pandemic. There is no pandemic. There never has been. And and that we knew the direction because we've been paying attention to the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab, who have not been silent or quiet or shy about telling what their agenda is, and that is to annihilate a, a great portion of the population. And uh, they've done it, uh, I, don't, I, I want to use the word magnificently, but that's not a compliment. Right. And, uh, you know, so I agree with what Rocco has said. Unfortunately, this, this truly was um, a, a favor to, to Vaccine Choice Canada COVID, because now instead of being criticized for the platform in trying to warn people that, uh, you know, even childhood vaccinations, which is what you were fighting for and always being demonized, now you can stand on this. And it's not a matter of I told you so. It's a matter of, look, we've been trying to explain this to you. And now you can see it perfectly in plain view. Well, for a lot of people, right? There's still many more need to wake up. Yeah, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll take a minute and just describe some of the history of Vaccine Choice Canada. It, mm. it began in 1982 in Ontario. And the reason it began was is the Ontario government introduced legislation to make vaccines mandatory for public school attendance. They were the first province in Canada to make that requirement. And the initial legislation had no provision for either personal belief or religious exemption. And it was a group of parents that lobbied the Ontario government for two years. And in 1984, they were successful in having the legislation amended to include the right to exemptions. Now, on one hand, I would suggest that that was a victory. On the other hand, I would suggest it was a defeat because what it did is it allowed the the understanding that vaccines could be imposed and that then you had to look for an exemption to excuse yourself from it. And I believe that uh, 
medical treatment should never be imposed and particularly medical treatment that is uh, being imposed upon healthy children. You know, it, it's one thing if you've got a, a, an elderly person who's uh, their, their disease condition, their health condition is so severe that, that they will die and they may be willing to experiment with something where the safety and efficacy is not well established. They might say, you know, I'm, I'm willing to take that risk. But when you're injecting uh, infants and young children who are healthy, you better make sure that what you're injecting uh, meets a high threshold of safety and efficacy and necessity. And we've been lied to with this mantra of safe and effective uh, mm. for 50 years. And the reality is, is that safety has not been established. Efficacy has not been established. As you, you said in your opening comments, one of the things that when they've done the research, what they've realized is probably the single, single biggest contributor to health and the reduction of disease conditions in, in America was the invention of, of closed sanitary, sewage sanitation systems and clean drinking water. Uh, they suggest that clean drinking water accounts for 78% of the decline of infectious diseases over the last century. And, and vaccines, if they have any um, effectiveness is less than 1% in terms of taking responsibility for the decline of infectious diseases. So we've, we've been massively deceived by a pharmaceutical industry. Uh, and I would suggest that that deception uh, really increased dramatically in 1986 in the United States when the Congress was lobbied by the pharmaceutical industry to give vaccine manufacturers legal immunity for any yeah. injury or death caused by their products. And let me explain to your audience why they did that. There were so many lawsuits against vaccine manufacturers, particularly for the vaccine that harmed my son, and they were losing court battles and having to pay millions of dollars in compensation. And so they went to Congress and said, we're in such desperate state because of the amount of lawsuits that if you don't protect us, we're going to go out of business and you might need us in the event of biological warfare. And so they really held Congress over a barrel. The, the president at the time reluctantly agreed to it, but there were provisions in agreeing to that. One of the provisions was is that the efforts at improving the safety of vaccine products would continue uh, uh, on, on an incremental basis and that a report would be made to Congress every two years of the improvements in the safety of vaccinations. That never happened. In the period since 1986, the number of reports that went to Congress that uh, spoke to the uh, improved safety of vaccines was exactly zero. And so the vaccine industry didn't uphold their part of the bargain, and I would suggest nor did Congress. And so what, what the vaccine industry got was a sweet deal. They got to have a, a market of children that they have no liability for. And then they use the profits of their industry to lobby government to make vaccines mandatory. And it's put us into this vicious cycle yeah. where it's all profit and no liability and the harm is to our children. And right. so in the period between 1986 and 1990, the number of vaccines that were recommended in the childhood schedule increased by threefold. Mm -hmm. And we're in that state today. 
Well, and I understand that even though that they've been given immunity, billions of dollars have actually been paid out due to injuries. So how in effect does that actually get paid out from the uh, pharmaceutical companies to the individuals? What's the process there, Ted? Well, Tanya, you ask a good question. So one of the other features of the 1986 Childhood Vaccination Act was the implementation of a, of a vaccine injury compensation program. Mm-hmm. What many people don't understand is that that compensation is not paid by the vaccine industry. It's paid by you and I when we buy a vaccine product or the government buys a vaccine product. There's a surcharge on every vaccine that's sold that is put into a fund. And so it's effectively the citizens of a country that pay for the compensation. The manufacturers pay zero liability. So there is no legal or financial incentive for a vaccine manufacturer to make the safest products possible. Yeah. What it's was the terrifying. first thing that happened when they introduced the COVID injections? And you're right, you know, we, we ought not to be calling them vaccines because they're not. Mm-hmm. But that's often the language that people understand. But the first thing they did is they negotiated agreements with governments that said, we will not provide these products unless you give us legal immunity. And so once again, we're in a very dangerous place. When a manufacturer will not stand behind their product, we should not have confidence in that product. Absolutely not. Isn't that just, uh, you know, the biggest warning bell that we could possibly, you know, hear if we're listening? I, I read an article today that, oh, there's a lot of uprising throughout the world, never mind what's going on in the Netherlands right now, which is so exciting. But in Pakistan, uh, Brazil has already said that they're not going to be uh, a part of the treaty. And then in India, Uh, Now, this was uh, some time ago, quite a while ago, they had already said uh, Pfizer was not going to be providing them uh, injections because they were requested to provide safety uh, and efficacy protocols. So, you know, that's that's kind of the secret, isn't it? Uh, You know, if there's no signed agreement, if they actually have to provide uh, the information on the safety and efficacy, they back out pretty quickly. Uh, because they know that that could in turn, you know, and, you know, the, uh, the end result could be liability. Right, right. We're in a very strange time when, when our governments are imposing uh, an experimental genetic technology that has not been proven safe or effective or necessary. Mm-hmm. And what they did in the last two years that they've never done before is, is make those mandates as egregious as, as we've seen. So people lost their livelihoods, their ability to access education, to access the community. I mean, to me, we're dealing with people that are committing extortion. You know, it's as if somebody knocks on your door and saying, you need to do as I say, or I'm going to burn your house down. To me, that's what we're living in now. We're we're living in a state of lawlessness. The, The foundational you know, agreements that happen between a citizen and, and its government have been burned and violated, and, and it's been done globally. And as you said, you know, when you stand back and look what they've accomplished, on one hand, you say, my God, have they ever organized this assault, mm-hmm. uh, this war? Uh, but when you look at the amount of casualties, this is a war, it has casualties, and I, uh, unfortunately, I believe the casualties have only really started uh, to well- be met. 
I believe that's true, Ted. Every day, every week, I am hearing from people on my team across Canada who have either had a friend, a loved one, a coworker who has been affected by having tremendously horrific adverse effects or um, have died. And, and passed away. So I'm, I'm thinking that um, part of one of the things that we've said to our chapter leaders on Mondays is building this community is also to be a place of support for those who are going to be grieving. Right. And, you know, the casualties of war are so different. And, you know, where we would have loved ones come home from a battle where there were bombs being dropped and who may have lost an arm or a leg. Uh, this is, is so different. And, and therefore, the psychological portion of this attack is going to have lasting effects. And that's one of the things as well I know that we've been advocating for and fighting on behalf of is our children, uh, you know, having to succumb to wearing these, these uh, masks that take away and remove their identity, their ability to show emotion. And, it, you know, if you, if you really look at what they've been doing to condition our kids to take away their um, um, their emotion, their ability to have empathy and apathy. Look at the violent video games. Look at the uh, movies that have come out for kids and the songs you know that they're listening to. The whole world is upside down, and we need to understand that COVID was not the attack. It was a result of people being complacent prior to that for many years on issues that were of the utmost importance that were robbing us of our freedom and uh, our democracy. But people were so conditioned in Canada to believe that they needed to be subjected to this. They needed to be loving and kind, whether to this trans agenda or the um, radical Islamization and the uh, people that are immigrating to Canada and taking away uh, our sovereignty, you know, and affecting that and transplanting here failed systems of governments. Like it's so big. And it would be uh, two years ago politically incorrect for me to talk about these things. But we really do need to talk about the bigger picture. In your world, that bigger picture pre COVID, what was happening to our children? when we look at the rate and the increase of autism. So there was a huge war against humanity getting ready for such a time as this. And they use COVID to catapult, I say, communism or tyranny into Canada. And they're using the RCMP to hold us back. And we just got to keep appealing to Canadians and to our law enforcement and our military, get on our side of this, get on the right side of history. We need all hands on deck. Tanya, you're right. You know, I, one of the metaphors I use is that this has been a controlled demolition. You know, they have planted devices in the foundation of this country over decades. Yes. And, it, it, and, you know, it's come crumbling down in the last two years, but the, 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 the break, breakup, the, the, you know, the demolition of our foundation, the principles that we thought we had as a society, that it was lawful, that it was, there's freedom, that we have a charter of rights and freedoms. We had bodily autonomy. We had a free press. I mean, now when we stand back and look at it, all of that uh, has been has been a lie for, for yep. a number of years. It's not been just overtaken. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. It's been overtaken. When I listened to Mike Wallace on the video that I had provided and how he reported on the H1N1, I was like blown away. I'm like, there's honest reporting. 
There is a reporter digging in and, you know, revealing, uh, you know, the atrocities that were happening against the citizens. And when I see this garbage uh, media posting coming out right now, trying to cover up the injuries of the uh, injections, I want to get the name of every single reporter or editor who is permitting this and who is partaking in it. And one day when these trials, when everybody is ready to, you know, commence the trials against these individuals, they they need to stand and be accountable because they are contributing. And we're just looking some, for some more and more heroes to stand up on the front line uh, to get up here with us and, and uh, you know, really make it well known the attack that we're under. Yeah, and I say, you know, if the media told the truth for one day, this would be over. If the <laughs> College of Physicians and Surgeons stood by their doctors, this would be over. Mm-hmm. If ministers of churches stood up and said, we're going to honor God, not Bonnie Henry, this would have been over. Yes. What, what, what we've witnessed is all of the, the structural foundations of what we thought were part of our society have capitulated, and they've either been captured or controlled or bought in by greed or... Uh, or they lost their moral compass. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, what we've got here is not just an ending of mandates. What we've got here is that we have to rebuild the very foundations of this country. We have to rebuild this democracy. And it's one of the things I really like about what you and your group is doing, Tanya, is you're, you recognize that we need to re-engage citizens. We need to bring them back to be actively in involved in in the democracy of this country, in the governance of this country, and it has to be based on moral principles. You know, I I suggest that, you know, we're experiencing a moral crisis because there's a lack of morality. In a a conversation I had with Brian Peckford a, a couple of months ago, he said something that really stuck with me. He said, democracy can only exist in a moral society. And now I have a better understanding of why our democracy is in such jeopardy is because we don't have a moral society. Mm -hmm. We don't value human life. No, Ted, and you know, on that, uh, you know that I've been at this for seven years and you know that I'm a woman of faith, but I really have felt the call of God say to me, you need to declare this as a Christian nation. And I always joke because I had 12 people on my email list, no cell phone, like I really wasn't motivated um, on email, social media. I wasn't set up on anything, but I did know what moral morality provided to a society and that it is the cornerstone and the foundation of a healthy society as are, uh, you know, the, the natural relationship between a man and a woman in a marital uh, relationship. They have, uh, it's quite obvious, you know, people would get offended and, and, you know, for making that statement. But when you just simply think about the fact of it, when a family stays together, you don't have single parents struggling to run two homes. You have children who feel the love of a mom and a dad. Uh, you know, I think that um, I've given some counsel once in a while to couples who were having a little trouble. <laughs> you know, it was at that point where they were even thinking of split up. And, and I said, you know, the marriages that lasted 40 to 50 years had a moment just like what you're experiencing now. It doesn't matter what relationship you're in. There's always, you know, going to be something. It, do, it doesn't mean that there's not, you know, uh, bad spouses out there and, and grounds for people to get divorced. I'm just saying that it isn't common anymore. It's not something that's endorsed in the schools or supported or promoted. But 
communities have that have strong faith-based communities have a stronger sense of family. They're financially thriving uh, compared to communities that are, are doing it otherwise. And I do believe that because Canada was founded on Judeo-Christian biblical principles, that it has given us an opportunity to have the freedoms that we have been gifted to experience. And because our society has moved away from those and they've diminished them, they've made light of them, we are, this is the outcome of it. And we need to get driven back towards morality and a life that is good. And we need to be courageous and brave enough to say that there is an absolute right and there is an absolute wrong. And that revolves around the tremendous good that we could be living and the tremendous evil that we're currently facing. And Tanya, I believe that that's one of the gifts in the struggle that we're in, is it's causing us to reevaluate, how did we get on this path? How did I contribute to this being where we are? Mm -hmm. You know, what, what do I need to do different? I mean, I think as long as we think this is about Justin Trudeau or Teresa Tam or Bonnie Henry or John Horgan, we're going to be distracted from doing the work we all need to do, which is how have I contributed to the decline of my society? And something as simple as un until this crisis, I never read the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. I, did, I you know, I, I, I knew it as, by name. I didn't know it by, by its content. I didn't know it by its spirit. And what I've said to Brian Peckford, I, I think that we've, you know, gotten lost in wordsmithing of the charter saying, you know, it, you know, it, it could have been worded different and, and we're treating it like a legal document. And I, I've suggested we should be treating it like a moral document. It's a moral code. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it's a beautiful code. And, and it starts off, as you know, with the, the supremacy of God and, and that those principles have not been taught. You know, right. it's my belief that one of the ways that we'll know that we're back on target is that when there's a charter hanging in every classroom in the country, in every business in the country, in every home in the country, and 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 we, we know what's in it, mm -hmm. and we stand with it. And and I've been negligent that way. I, mm -hmm. I, I was not what I would call uh, a contributing citizen who stood up for my charter of rights and freedoms. It had to have been violated before I recognized the sacredness of that document. Right. And, you know, I think that's that's a common thing when societies begin to decline. We become comfortable. We're focused. You know, our communities, our churches, our kids in school, sports, etc. But there's always a sinister evil in the background. And, you know, they're just waiting to pounce and they're planning and conniving. And, you know, that's what we've experienced here. And as a naturally trusting society, uh, we fell into a deep trap. And so I'm grateful. I am grateful for for this reboot that we're experiencing. And I'm excited to see all the patriots in Canada rising up. Um, I look at the charter and the constitution as absolute. And I have said, we do not need to beg, borrow or request or ask for our rights. They are ours for the taking. And to the bottom of my heart, that's been my message in the last two and a half years. We don't have to ask for this. You know, it, it says right in the Federal Emergency Act that our Charter of Rights and Bill of Rights cannot be infringed upon, even in a national emergency. And like you say, could you imagine if the media was was talking about this, Canadians would be informed, businesses would have remained open. Um, and, you know, it, we would have probably been business as usual right now. But we needed a reboot. 
we needed to uh, have a wake up call on how far our society had fallen. Um, you know that I'm also working very, very intently on exposing all the sexual depravity, you know, that has entered our schools. Um, the attack against our kids, when you look at it, really the globalists have taken it from many, many directions and levels. Uh, they're not only annihilating children in the womb, like they hate creation, but now they're injecting babies with this experimental injection. They hate the creation, the beauty of it. And, you know, then they're going for their minds to destroy their minds and, and the natural curiosities and playfulness and the love and trust that they would have. And it really, really is a, a multi-pronged attack against our kids. And that is definitely uh, one of the things that Action for Canada is working hard on. And, and as well, one of our focuses is uh, we've always had Ron on and he's head of our pastor team, but he began to oversee our chapters and vetting and growing that up. So we've got a new chapter, uh, national chapter coordinator, Kim McBride, and Ron has gone back to pastors and reaching out to associations to educate them, to call on them and, you know, to uh, challenge them that they will not shut down again. And that is happening. And then we're calling on them to open their school or their churches so that that we can facilitate homeschoolers and give them a place where parents can drop their kids off and have a safe space. And then of course, uh, working to get people elected and in, into school trustees and things like that. So yeah, my heart is always, I wish so many more organizations were helping us build our communities to the thousands, you know, who would be part of an A4C chapter so we could accomplish these things. But sometimes it seems like an uphill battle and I've always been so happy to partner with you and, and the work that you're doing. Um, Ted, uh, Terenzio, can we get to yes. uh, a couple of those questions, please? Yes. All right. Thank First, you. You're welcome. First, we have uh, Harold. Harold, Alrighty. you should see a little message pop up on your screen. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes. I can. Wonderful. Uh, Ted, you're on the right track, and so are you, Tanya. And I was uh, heartened by the uh, sudden and intense uh, about face, about uh, political correctness. It is not correct, it is political, but it is uh, uh, driven by these uh, bad people that uh, you mentioned earlier. And uh, as far as uh, vaccine choice is concerned, it is not a choice. Our uh, immune system is predicated uh, from uh, monitoring the uh, uh, environment around us for each one. And it is constantly changing the DNA to uh, be in tune with it. So that is basically our immune system, but we are not well informed about this stuff. So what we should do is don't vaccinate anymore because that is toxins in the body that the body cannot uh, defend against. 
the the way it defends itself is by the alimentary canal from the mouth to the anus mm -hmm. and uh, it uh, finds all this stuff and fixes it and uh, as far as political co correctness is concerned we have to stop it yes but but that, that there's there's no ifs and or buts we have to stop it because thank, thank here, you harold so so here is where the problem is when you do it to the small children you create these other people that don't know whether they're male or female. Mm. That is the problem. And it has been proven by one doctor who has done a lot of research in that respect, and it can be healed. It yes, thank you, Harold. Thank you. Yeah, Ted, do you have any response to any of that? Yeah, I, you know, I absolutely agree with Harold is that our, our immune system is such a beautiful creation of our creator. And we, we have forgotten how blessed we are to have it. And, and, you know, we've been inundated by the marketing of the pharmaceutical industry that somehow what, what's in, in, at, at the end of a needle is, is, is better designed than what the creator created for us. Uh, we're developing an education series at Vaccine Choice Canada called Raising Naturally Immune Children. Nice. And, you know, my position is that I stand for people to, for their right to inform consent, bodily sovereignty, and the right of parents to make medical decisions for their children. I, where I'm at personally is I, I don't believe that the vaccine paradigm, I, I think it's flawed. I think it's dangerously flawed. And so I'm unwilling to partake in that. Uh, form of medicine ever again. Um, I believe that when people understand uh, the mechanisms of vaccinations, how it works, uh, when they understand the ingredients, and when they understand their own immune system, they would be loath to par partake in that medical treatment ever again. I agree, Ted, and I just thank you so much for that. I can't, uh, as soon as you got the, uh, I don't know if it's a page you're creating or the information ready, please let me know and I'll make sure that we distribute that. Um, I love going up to my sisters and spending time with her. They're going to, they're mostly off the grid, uh, their own gardening. Uh, when I went there about a week ago, she's like, you got to come with me. And we went into this hill and picked Arnica flowers and uh, it'll take about six months, but we're creating our own Arnica. Uh, you can pickle eggs in, in water, like, um, like raw eggs for two years. There's so many secrets that aren't being passed down to the generations uh, to come so that we're completely reliant on the government. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to have one of our chapter leaders on, uh, Dan, who has been, he's got nine children. He's been farming all his life and you know with the cattle and the pigs and the rest of it he knows how to do he knows how to live off the land and these are the people that we need to glean from and learn from so i'm i'm sort of excited you know about that um i was brought up canning we had a wonderful uh cellar filled with canned peaches and pickles and you name it right uh we didn't have to rely on the grocery store for these things and i'm i'm looking forward to getting back to a time where things are more simple and all of this uh, marketing and consumerism, you know, slows down and, and we get some, uh, I don't know, our critical thinking is back and uh, get back on track again, Ted. So yeah, I look forward to that. Okay, Terenzio, another question? Yes, next question we have is from Roxanne. 
Okay, if anybody has a question for Ted, please raise your hand. Hi, Tanya and Ted. Ted knows me well. Hi, Roxanne. <laughs> so I wanted to bring up a point that I think um, a lot of people will find valuable when they have this whole vaccine discussion, because invariably people are indoctrinated into the vaccine mindset by two major myths, the smallpox and polio Trojan horse mm -hmm. myths. And they truly are myths because we know that as soon as they had smallpox mandates, that's when we had the huge epidemics. Uh, the polio vaccine, another fraud. In fact, it induced polio, caused millions of cancers via SV40. And when you understand how they manipulated data and they manipulated definitions and diagnoses and all the rest of it, um, it's just it's it's criminal. So I'm gonna. I, I don't know if Sheila's able to put these in the chat or if I can later. But there's a couple of good resources to take on two of the most important uh, myths regarding vaccines. One is dissolving illusions by Dr. Suzanne Humphreys. Mm -hmm. um, excellent. She's she's brilliant. And another one you can get free online. Hopefully, still go to Whale W H A L E, just like it sounds. Whale to to whale.to and go to the poisoned needle by eleanor mcbean this was right. written back in the 50s it is explosive and it was banned and you can see why it was banned you see all the documentation about how it, and it goes right into the whole cover-up also about um what happened in 1918 and how vaccines have actually induced the very thing that they were supposed to protect us from. So um, these are two great, I mean, there's many, many things, but those are two excellent resources to take on the polio and smallpox myths. And I also, just to finish with, I always bring up, there was never a vaccine administered for scarlet fever. It was created, but it was never widely administered. So where are all the raging epidemics? Where are all the dead people from scarlet fever? It's mm -hmm. a great one to point out to people. It wasn't vaccines that saved us. And if right. any, if the vaccines hadn't come along, we would be a whole lot better off because they've, yeah. they've caused so much suffering. If people only knew the lupus, the cancers, the MS, everything. It's like literally everything is tied or contributed to by uh, this modality. Thank you. Roxanne, those are great recommendations. Uh, you know, yes, dissolving illusions, I just think is ought to be required reading for every parent, because that narrative of smallpox and polio has captured generations. And, and it's, it was pure marketing. It was, it, it was very clever marketing, very dishonest marketing. And, and, but it, it, it ushered in a paradigm that we think health comes from the end of the needle, and, and it definitely does not. Uh, mm -hmm. The other book I would recommend is Dr. Richard Moskowitz, uh, his book is called Vaccines, a Reappraisal. And we had him as our guest two weeks ago, and he's like in his mid-80s. He's a, an old family doctor who practiced family medicine for 50 years by knocking on people's doors. And, you know, that's the way medicine used to be. And uh, beautiful soul. And his book is a really thoughtful examination, re-examination of the vaccine paradigm. And again, you know, I mean, I've got hundreds of books in my library, but any one of these, if you read it, you'd, you'd say, I, 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 I need to pause. If I've been vaccinating, I need to pause mm -hmm. um, because we've been massively deceived. 
Right. Thank you very much for that, Ted. And thank you, Roxanne. Um, Sheila, I'd be interested if we can get those into onto the website as well, and uh, we'll make those available. I just want to let people know that under join, you can see um, on our website, is it under join, Terenzio? Uh, that you can see the Empower Hour. It's not under join. <laughs> under, con yes, under Empower Hour. If you can just hover on Empower Hour. And um, under chat links, this is where we put the links uh, from the weekly chats. Mm -hmm. So any of the books that uh, Roxanne just talked about or the links that Sheila is posting on the chat will be on this page within, I don't know, the next few days. Uh, Sheila, if that's correct, maybe give me a yes or no in the chat. <laughs> just keep your eye on that page. When we have a guest, we put the information there. And uh, you know, it's frightening to think about how long this has been going on. So evil. All right, uh, next question, please. All right, next question is from Brian. And uh, we do have quite a few questions, so I'm going to put a one-minute timer. So for those okay. asking questions, if you could please limit your questions to a minimum so we can allow Ted to answer. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. Uh, good to see you both out here tonight. And I think we all got to agree that this is truly a spiritual battle between uh, good and evil and... Uh, Ted, are you aware of uh, what uh, Sesame Street is uh, promoting amongst our children? Mm -hmm. Well, I heard that they're, you know, Elmo and company are getting the vaccines uh, as part of the program. I, I you know, it, it breaks my heart to see how these uh, childhood programs that I thought, again, they, I think they started off with good intentions, but they've been completely captured. And now, now, they're dangerous. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think the best thing a parent can do is, is, is uh, throw the TV out and, and uh, homeschool. We, 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 we shouldn't be sending our kids to school to be programmed uh, with, with the kind of uh, dark agenda that's there. It's right. sad to watch this. Okay. Yeah, Ted, I agree. And it was today, I re actually reached out to uh, Toby, who works with Laura Lynn about a year ago. Uh, Kevin Sorbo's assistant got in touch with me and I, I, I hooked her up with Laura Lynn and then she had Kevin on. But um, I'm not sure if you know, he's a, a man of great faith and he's part of the uh, Pure Flix. And so I'm going to put out another call to action. I've been requesting that people would uh, get rid of Netflix and get rid of Disney. And let's just get this stuff out of our house. Uh, you know, get rid of your cable vision. We've got to hit hurt people in the pocketbook. But people just like their comforts. And, you know, I've got this little version, this little scenario. I tell my kids when, when, it was, when they were young. And whether it's appropriate or not, here it comes. <laughs> it's, called the, it's called the poop in the soup. Uh, scenario. And for my kids, when they were going to view something on TV, they'd say, Oh, well, mom, it was just on for a second. And we've always had dogs. I've had three dogs. It's Laura Lynn bugs me about it. She says I have 20, but it's only three. <laughs> and, and so, you know, if you had to go and clean up the dog poop in the backyard and I made, I make really good homemade soup. <laughs> and so I, uh, the chicken soup is my favorite. And uh, so I'd say to them and I'd say, okay, well here, you know what, have a, a bowl of my homemade chicken soup, but don't worry. You know, I was out cleaning up dog poop and a little bit fell in, but don't worry about that. It's only a little bit. And, you know, for the minds of my kids, it, you know, you can imagine how that would gross them out, as I can imagine how all of you are feeling right now. I wouldn't eat that soup. I don't care if it was a little bit. So why are we willing to take this chance with our kids? 
why have we got poop in the soup uh, TV on for our children? It's just a little bit. They might, you know, they might be exposed to it. It's too big a risk right now. And, and it's across the board, a vile attack against our children. Because as it, Lennon had said, you know, give me four years of uh, your child and, you know, I'll have them for life. Right. The communists, the, the, those who are tyrannical rulers have always known they need our children in order to uh, have access to the next generations and uh, continue the tyranny. Tanya, one of the things, you know, during this time, I, I found it very curious about who can see the deception and who can't. Mm-hmm. And what I, you know, and, and what confused me is, you know, I've worked with some really good people over the last 30 years, particularly in the disability community, good, caring people, intelligence, committed to, you know, the well-being of citizens. And to see them so captured by this narrative and behaving in the ways that actually were against all of the core values that yes. we, we work together with, you know, it, it was shocking to me. And so when I would meet people who could see the deception, could see the harm that was happening, I would say, why do you think you can see it and others can't? And the answer that I got about 80% of the time is that I don't have a TV in my house. Mm. And, you know, I haven't had a TV for over 20 years. Mm-hmm. I believe that the, the television is an instrument of programming. I think it's very sophisticated and it's very dangerous. Yes, and very effective. And very effective. And so I, I think that if we want to get back to the moral ground that we need to stand on, we need to recognize how dangerous that instrument is having it in our home. Mm-hmm. And so your, your little metaphor there, I think, is, is appropriate. We need to recognize these are dangerous tools that are in our homes. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. And the computer. Don't allow your child to have the computer in their bedroom. It's not a babysitter. Um, It doesn't matter how much they whine. They're supposed to, you know, hate you for a while. But in their best interest, they, they should not have this device or a cell phone. My kids didn't have cell phones until they had a job and could pay for one. Um, and even then, you know, I, I was, would hope to have restricted it as much as possible, but they were too old. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Uh, because it is a life-sucking distraction that's yes. not used responsibly. Yeah. All right. Uh, Terenzio, do you have time for a couple more questions, Ted? Yeah. One or two? Yeah. All right. All right. Next question is from Henry. Hi, Henry. Hi, Tanya. Hi, Ted. And uh, thank you both for, uh, you know, standing up for uh, us. It's good to have uh, you, uh, you two exposing the uh, truth. And um, my question, well, it's not really a question. It's just, it seems to be an easy job for a politician to go in, lie, cheat, uh, be part of this fake demic that's cost lives. And then when the heat gets turned up, uh, like your premier in BC, it seems all they, they have to do is resign and walk away with their pockets full of cash. Um, I think uh, that's wrong. I'd like to see uh, once this is all exposed that these people are brought up in front of a real judge and, and, and tried for what they've done. Well, uh, Henry, you know what? I'm going to interrupt you right there, and we're doing that. Just because John Horgan has decided to step down does not mean that that's going to exonerate him from the evil that he's participated in. And he is actually named in the BC case. 
the constitutional challenge against the BC and federal government. So it doesn't matter. I've written to the RCMP recently. I did a whole show on it and I have pleaded with the RCMP. I said, you better make sure that Bonnie Henry, our health officer, doesn't skip town. Uh, because you know what? They are going to lose this battle. We are going to win. But it's how much damage are they doing in the meantime? So hang in there, Henry. Thank you for that. Next question, please. All right. Next question is from Weislawa. Okay. Is she having trouble maybe unmuting? It seems. Oh, I can see. Are you unmuted? Not yet. No, sometimes we have a problem with that on the Zoom calls. Are you with us, Weislawa? Oh. Darn. Okay, we can't hear you. So if you want, you could try to sign off and sign back on again and make sure okay. you hit. Hello. Oh, there you are. Okay. Oh, hi. Hi. What's your oh, question? Thank you, Tanya, for doing a great job. Um, my question is, why are all these vaccines for uh, if no virus from human body was ever isolated? Mm-hmm. And Stefan Lanke, the German microbiologist, uh, he fight in the <clears throat> German court uh, and ask them to give a proof of the measles vaccine. They lost because they couldn't fabricate the proof. Right. So uh, he said to um, be the, uh, to isolate the virus has to be seven points. So they just uh, make shift those tests uh, before, uh, and uh, virus is not should be seen uh, through uh, electron microscope. So I, I, I think you know the answer to your question. That this isn't about health. It's this is a control agenda, and they're using the narrative of a. Uh, of a contagious disease as a way of, of putting people into a place of fear so that they will give away their ability to make their own decisions. Right. I mean, it's cleverly done and it's not done by accident. I believe that, you know, if you look back in history, they've actually run this narrative a number of times. I think they've learned from previous mistakes about what they need to do in order to be successful. This is purely a control agenda. And I've been saying for a long time is that you know what's important by what they measure. They don't measure the health of our children. They measure how many vaccines you get. Yeah. And Tanya, you, you know, in your introduction, you showed the graphs from Dr. Paul Thomas's uh, client base. And it's really clear that unvaccinated children are healthier than vaccinated children. Mm-hmm. And, and yet that's not what's important to our health industry. It's not important to our government. It's not important to public health. Not important to our media because health is not the goal. Right. Yeah, no, I agree with you, Ted. And uh, this is one of the reasons as well. Uh, it just compounds the, the reason why we say, please share the information from Action for Canada and Vaccine Choice Canada. 
use your time on social media um, and, and just pump this information out so that we can grow up the awareness in a tangible way to the people that, you know, even inside, they might be feeling like something is wrong. They might be questioning, but, but this, we, we need to get that passive little 40% sitting in the middle right now. That's our voting community. That's our freedom sitting right there. And uh, we need all of you on board and helping us with this. Um, Ted, uh, Wayne had asked a good question. Uh, what is it that you would say are some of the wins that Vaccine Choice Canada has experienced? Well, I mean, the very first win was back in 1982 when they were able to get legislation introduced to at least allow some for some personal and, and religious exemptions. Mm -hmm. uh, we had a win in 2019 in New Brunswick that there's only two provinces in Canada that have uh, uh, vaccine mandates for ch uh, children to attend school, Ontario and New Brunswick. And in 2019, uh, New Brunswick uh, introduced legislation to remove personal belief in religious exemptions and make vaccines mandatory with the exception of medical exemption, which is uh, almost impossible to secure. And so Vaccine Choice Canada brought in world experts, uh, Dr. Bob Sears, uh, James Lyons-Weiler, uh, you know, Merrill Nass. I mean, I can't remember all that we brought in. And we had three days of testimony to a subcommittee of the legislature. And at the end of that, they voted down the legislation that would have removed the right to personal belief in religious exemptions. And I thought it was a very important win. Uh, and, and it was quite telling. Uh, to, it was interesting to watch how the legislators' understanding of vaccinations changed over th those three days. I would suggest Thank that. When we first started, it would have been a slam dunk that they were going to get their legislation through. But we brought in the data, we brought in the experts, and we helped them to ask questions of public health that public health couldn't answer. And one of the basic questions that I saw the light start to shift is we they had the public health officer on and the, the legislation was introduced under the guise of there's a measles outbreak. And we need to do something because measles is so dangerous. And so we suggested to a a legislator that they asked the public health officer how many of the 12 cases of measles in their province, uh, what was the vaccine status of those 12 children? And the public health officer said, that's private information. And the members of the legislature said, you know, we're not asking for names. I'm asking for a number between zero and 12. Mm -hmm. And the public health officer refused to give that information. And you could just feel the energy in the room shift. <laughs> When the legislators went, you won't even tell us how many of those children were vaccinated and how many are unvaccinated. And I think that was the tipping point in our conversation. They actually had to file a freedom of information request. And through that, it took a year. They learned that 11 of the 12 had been fully vaccinated. Wow. So to me, that was a big win. I mean, um, you know, Rocco's uh, filings, even though we haven't seen our day in court yet, have had a profound impact. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I love Rocco's strategy. Uh, yeah, you and I both know uh, how um, intelligent this man is. And uh, one of the metaphors I use is Rocco plays chess, whereas most of the other lawyers are, pl are, are playing checkers. And when we introduced our legislation back two years ago now, and it was, you know, 190 some odd page statement of claim. And we were vilified and mocked and, you know, told that we're conspiracy theorists. Uh, everything that's in that statement of claim. I had a conversation with Rocco recently because he reread it 
word for word recently. And I said, was there anything that we said in that statement that you would take back that, that, that we were wrong about? And he said, Ted, not one word. Mm -hmm. uh, and the beauty of it, it was it introduced into the public consciousness ideas that were not, uh, people were not aware of. And I would say that was the, that was the introduction of a consciousness about the World Economic Forum, about Bill Gates, uh, you know, the WEF, the, the World Health Organization. So I think that statement of claim had a huge uh, effect in raising awareness of what uh, lies behind. And we had long conversations between our board and Rocco saying, are we going to go that big? Are we going to keep our eyes on Ontario? Just talk about what's happening in Canada. And we thought if we're going to do this, we have to, we have to speak to the whole evil that's out there. And, and I'm glad we did. Um, and I, I, you know, Rocco's ready to come back, as you know. Uh, he was so fired up after his day in court defending your action. Yeah. That, you know, yeah, he called me and he gave me a blow by blow. I think of everything he said. I think it took him an hour to tell me what took 45 minutes in the courtroom. But yeah, um, yeah. well, it really was. Uh, it, there wasn't anybody in that courtroom who wasn't absolutely amazed and impressed with how Rocco had conducted himself. And, you know, I've been mocked by a little mob, you know, when I would call him, refer to him as a top constitutional lawyer. Um, this mob has uh, caused people to question Vaccine Choice Canada, yourself, myself, um, and Rocco. They've made libelous and defamatory statements. In And for what? I, I have no idea what their motive is, but it can't be uh, freedom fighters, you know, along with the rest of us, the underlying motive. But you know, and to criticize the claims without saying the good and the wins that had come out of them to totally reject uh, that. Because when you filed your case in Ontario, the Ontario government immediately reworded their uh, policy on masks yep. and that vaccinations aren't mandatory in in Ontario. And, and so there's your case has held the line in Ontario and other cases have been, you know, uh, put forward and they get a lot of good media. And Rocco sits back there taking it in the chin like you and I do. And even in BC, our cases had a huge impact as soon as we filed. And, and so it will come out in time. And Rocco, as you say, is very strategic in what he's doing. Our case was, uh, our statement of claim was 391 pages. Uh, again, we've been criticized highly for that. But again, it was an opportunity to explain the bigger picture, the larger picture and have it on record. And so uh, Rocco had said, I'm more than happy to give you a 50 page statement of claim, uh, Your Honor, but this is a matter of public interest and it should be heard. And so I'm anxious to you know, get the ruling back. I'm personally, I'm surprised Judge Ross didn't make a decision, you know, by the time before the, the end of that day. But I would imagine that wouldn't have boded well for our, our AG's office and the crummy lawyer that they had sent <laughs> to court that day who was no match for Rocco. Well, the seven lawyers, right? Yes. Yeah, the seven lawyers. <laughs> but the one particular one for Bonnie Henry and uh, John Horgan, uh, he was reading our statement of claim and you would have thought he was our lawyer. <laughs> We're like, what's your point? <laughs> all of that's all true. And, you know, it's all happening. And he's like a conspiracy theory, you know, that, uh, you know, you're going to be censored and not allowed to go to restaurants. And I was like, is he actually thinking about what he's saying? <laughs> 
Yeah, it was a bit comical. All right. Um, I know that you have another appointment. I know there was a, more people to have questions, but I appreciate the dialogue and just being able to interact and uh, help to bring awareness to those who have come and joined us tonight for another amazing Empower Hour. So, Ted, thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts for the work that you are doing for holding the line and, and taking the opportunity that has been given to you and continuing to fight on behalf of our children and on behalf of all Canadians. You're so honoured and well-respected by the team here at Action for Canada and uh, anyone who knows you. Thank you. Thank you. And Tanya and all of your team at Action for Canada, all of the wonderful supporters that you have from coast to coast. I mean, when you show that map of all of your chapters, that's very impressive. You're building the infrastructure that we need for a free, democratic, and dignified and moral society. And this work, you know, one of the things we're learning is our, our work will never be done. Uh, it, it, your organization and our, I mean, I hope our, our organization doesn't have to be around, but yours needs to be around because you're, you're building the foundation of this country. Mm, thank you so much, Ted. Well, we're going to look forward to having you on again. And it, we want to just remind people to register for the uh, the film. Yes. But, yeah. What, it, do you have anything more that you wanted to add about that film or your? Yeah. So it, it's, it's I, I've watched the film a few times now. It's, it's really well done. It's very powerful. It's called Uninformed Consent. It's by uh, Todd Harris, who's a Canadian filmmaker. Uh, he tells a you know a tragic story of a woman who committed suicide because she was uh, let go of her job with BC Transit. Uh, her her husband uh, is very articulate in in that excruciating journey that that they were on, and then it's intermixed with uh, you know the testimonies of uh, Stephen Malthouse and Charles Hoff and Alan Castles and Dr. Chris Shaw and. They speak very powerful, and uh, I think it's a, it's has the potential to change the narrative globally. I, I think it's a very powerful film. Uh, there's an opportunity for for individuals to become sponsors of the film for as little as a hundred dollars. You can have your name listed in the credits uh, or the name of a loved one. So I've I've put it in my son's name. Um, We'll accept those sponsorships until Jan, uh, July the 15th. We're having a premiere showing of the sponsors and people that want to be part of that evening on uh, July the 23rd. And then we're looking at a global launch date, probably a week after. And uh, we're looking for some global partners to help us make that global launch. Um, but it's it's uh, if, if you, you know, if you can run the trailer for your group, I, I think they're going to find it very compelling. Well, I think that would be a wonderful way to close the show, actually. So I know that you've got a phone call that you have to tend well, to. Well, I've got five more minutes, so I'm going to watch the trailer if you're going to show watch it. Watch the trailer as well. Okay. And so, Terenzio, I think this would be a good opportunity. Again, Ted, thank you. And, you know, I know that you give testimony of the loss of your son. And quite often there's a verse in the Bible that says what the enemy meant for harm God can use it for good. And rather than giving in to intense sorrow, you are using this for good. And we so appreciate that because other parents need to hear your story and they need to hear the warnings and see the writing on the wall. So thank you again for that. All right. So, um, okay, Terenzio, if we could play that video and then afterwards, I'll just have a couple of words to say and then we'll close the um, evening. All the people who are taking part in this, including the doctors who give you the shots, including the people who order this, including the people who profit from this, 
including, of course, the government that pushes its population to get vaccinated. They're all responsible. These are true crimes against humanity. Every single vaccine available in Canada has been approved by Health Canada as being both safe and effective. We all want to get through this pandemic as quickly as possible, and that means all of us getting vaccinated. The safest thing for your child, 12 and older, is to get them vaccinated. They get vaccinated for a lot of things. That's it, get them vaccinated. Normalcy only returns when we've largely vaccinated the entire global population. It's a coordinated script that they're all reading from. It's a slogan, and using slogans is part of uh, brainwashing people. If people tell you safe and effective, safe and effective, safe and effective, you know, you hear that you know, 10,000 times a day, well, you know, most people can be driven into that kind of mind frame. The science used to convince them to prescribe something is way more advanced than the science that has been used to actually develop the treatment in the first place. They're obviously captured by the narrative of fear. Because of that, they desperately want this shot to succeed. It's our way out of the fear. Create fear and you offer safety. That's the way to do it. COVID-19 is actually about the vaccine. It's not about the virus, it's about the vaccine. Convenient. The solution has always been there. It's just, you know, you need, you need the machinery in, in place before you can actually activate it. These people are lying through their teeth and it's so obvious to anyone who's not under the, the spell that it cannot be denied. Why? Because, well, that's where the money is. The fact that the authorities are punishing people who refuse to get their clot shot when there is so much evidence of harm is completely unethical and it is just plain cruel. This COVID shot has been an illusion. It's not provided safety. It hasn't prevented transmission of severities. In fact, it's increased it. More hospitalizations after getting these shots. A lot sicker population. And of course, the shots go on forever. There's booster after booster. Even a fully vaccinated individual uh, can pass on uh, COVID-19. Doesn't uh, protect you against catching the disease, and it doesn't uh, doesn't protect, protect you against passing it on. So now is the time to get your booster. When you look at the level of virus in the nasopharynx of a vaccinated person, it is exactly the same as the level of virus in a unvaccinated uh. person. What they can't do anymore is prevent transmission. If you want to work with the federal government and do business with us, get vaccinated. What you can see is a sharp rise in coronavirus mortality upon implementation of widespread vaccination programs in several countries, and that needs to be understood. It is completely uncharacteristic of an epidemic curve to be watching a country's curve decline and then you start a program and it kicks up again. Why? Proof of vaccination will be required by no later than the end of this month for all federal employees. Enforcement measures in place will make sure that everyone is vaccinated. I think these are criminals and I think they're killing people. I think sociopath describes it very well. They're the people that are killing our children. We have what's called mature minor consent here in British Columbia, and there's no uh, limit to the age that somebody can consent for uh, medical treatment, including uh, immunization. So you don't need to have a parent's consent. You don't need to have a signed consent form. Kids told they can make their own decision on this, and it could be their fatal decision. Think about that.
there are now papers written by prominent scientists calling for a worldwide halt in the program. In a combination civil and criminal settlement, Pfizer has agreed to pay $2.3 billion, the largest healthcare fraud settlement in the history of the Department of Justice, which makes it the largest criminal fine in history. Pretty powerful. I'm looking forward to seeing the uh, whole video. I know somebody had said they signed on a little bit late. And so there's going to be a launch of that video on July 23rd. And you can register for it. Um, Sheila has promoted that already in the chat. If you want to grab the link there. Um, so with all of this, um, Action for Canada, like I say, we don't want to just come on and inform you of all the scary things that are, are happening in the world. We also want to offer solutions. and But those solutions do involve you. They do involve you taking action at some capacity. And so whether it's helping us out by sharing our actions on social media, whether it's you joining a chapter and being a part of that, uh, within our chapters, we, we've got resources for parents to hand out to um, other parents outside of the schools once they, you know, we get back up and running in, in the fall. We've got the notices of liability to serve to school board trustees, not only the notice of liability against this dangerous injection and against masking and uh, testing, but also, also against this uh, recent uprising. And, and again, it's in all the Western nations against this, this trans-LGBTQ uh, political ad agenda and attack against our kids, where it's exposing them to horrific pornographic books where, you know, it makes an adult, like for myself, I, I had to report on this. And I was absolutely sick and beside myself having to uh, review this material material that's fully available to kids kindergarten and kindergarten to grade 12 and we truly believe that there are individuals who have um, permitted these books and approved them they need to actually be arrested and go to jail and we are going to continue to work towards that so there is uh, you know things that you can do within our chapter where you can be actively involved it may be that you're an employee and you didn't know about our notices of liability and your employer either fired you, terminated you, put you on unpaid leave. And of course, uh, you need to make sure that they're served all the documents that we've created to be put you in the best possible chance of being uh, reinstated and paid retroactively for all of the monies that you lost uh, because of their illegal activities. And we try to get you in the best possible position to do that. Um, elected officials, you may want to run as a school board trustee uh, or as a city councillor. We're developing a database. It's taking a little longer than what we expect, but it's going to be Canada-wide for all levels of government. And then as we grow our chapters, when somebody wants to run for office, they're going to have our support behind them and hopefully get more wins. So there's many things that you can do within a chapter. Uh, you may be that person that can sing and play the guitar. And when you have a chapter leader meeting, there's nothing like it to get people together to sing. Maybe it's to sing O Canada, or maybe it's to have just a fun evening on a Friday night 
or a picnic in the park. You have gifts and talents to contribute, and we just want to encourage you, please get involved. Don't let summer uh, slow us down from the momentum uh, that we have gained over the last year. Uh, it's actually a bit surprising to me how much people um, are. I know people are tired. I know they are, but we've got to remember we're actually in a war. We're in a war for our country and for our kids. So please press on in some in some way, keep active through the summer and keep showing up for the Empower Hours. I'd like to see this, uh, you know, meeting up over 3,000 people and let's just keep the information flowing at the very least. Share the information that we have. All right, so we're at 6.33 and I wasn't sure if I was going to do this tonight, but I'm going to close off with a poem. And somebody out there may need to hear this. Um, as you know, Action for Canada is uh, definitely founded on Christian principles. It's not that uh, you have to be a Christian to be involved with Action for Canada, but we do want you to know that you're loved and that you're supported and that we do happen to have a strong, firm belief that Canada was based on Christian principles. And so many of you are going through really difficult times. And uh, it, it may not have only been in these last three years. It may have been prior to that. Uh, you know, there's so many things that have been happening to families and split ups and um, just different things, job losses, as the government in the last seven years has really been hurting our economy. And I know what those troubles are like. I have gone through some very, very deep valleys and I was in those deep valleys for a long period of time. Well, it was 20 years. It, it was a lot of hardship. There was death and loss and illness and surgeries. And um, But I'm not here to focus on that because as a Christian, I trusted that God was doing something with me. I didn't know what it was, but it, it says in the Bible really to be thankful in all things, even in the hardships, because God's doing something in our life uh, that would be absent if we didn't go through it. And so as with Ted, he went through great hardships, but he took that and he has made his life mission something good out of it. And, and so when I had come out of it, I'm not the same person that I was prior to it. I would have never been able to get action for Canada going. I would have never been able to, you know, write all of these notices of liability and build up just such a tremendous team of people. Um, you know, I would have never been able to take the criticisms. To me now, they're like water off a duck. If somebody wants to criticize me, that's okay. They have the freedom to do that. And they obviously don't understand me or the work that we're doing if they if they can find, have, it, have that critical nature. So at my at the end of my journey, when I had just surrendered all and I felt like I was coming back out of it, I wrote poems and I'd never written poetry before. And so the first one I wrote was Break Free. And it is really about the fact that we have this hole inside of us that only God can fill. And we're born with that hole. And then as we go through childhood into adulthood, you know, some of us may be blessed to grow up in Christian homes and others may not. But, you know, throughout, throughout our ages, we deal with things. And so this is about faith, basically, and about God, to me, being the only one that can fulfill us and fill that hole. So it goes, everyone has a hole to fill. They search and laugh and love and cry and must decide before they die to surrender to our Lord above or forever end lost to a lie. From the enemy of our souls, part owner, full resident, we must abide 
unless we choose otherwise. Ask him, ask him to come in and free you now from all your sin. Cry out, be with my eyes in what I see, my ears in what they hear, my mouth in what I say, my feet and guide my way, my hands in what they hold so dear, and that I always, always persevere. He knows your thoughts. He knows your dreams. He'll meet you somewhere in between. Not too high, not too low, just enough to make you grow. Depth, nor height, nor mass, nor matter, fixed upon a broken ladder, shatter, scatter, gather, all brings you to your knees to ultimately set you free. Surrender now, open wide your hands, lay it all before Christ the Lamb. White as snow, good as gold, before time began, all foretold. Absent from fear, no more tears, joys, embrace, and loving grace. Oh, come, sweet uh, one, take hold of me, and peace be still and cradle me. Break free, break free, breathe in the love that comes from our Father waiting up above. So I just wanted to uh, read that to you today. I just want to tell you that God really loves you. He cares about you. He cares about Canada. He's in this. He's bringing us back to him right? We can't, we can't separate ourselves from him as a nation that was founded on his biblical principles. So anyways, I want you to feel hope. I want you to know that Action for Canada and our, Action for Canada and our team are here for you, that you are not alone. And I just want you to remember that tonight and going into the week. And if you do need prayer, reach out to us. The prayer link will be in the chat. Always thank you, uh, Sheila, for always being so on top of that. Anyways, that's the end of our Empower Hour for tonight. I hope you enjoyed it. We hope to see you again next week. And just God bless you and God bless Canada.
God says he will turn the sins of evil people back on them. He will destroy them for their sins. I take great comfort in that because I serve a mighty living God who has allowed us to go through this season of discomfort because we as a nation had turned our backs on him and we need to get right. So I am just gonna thank you so much. I'm going to say God